0: Native Collective takes pride in celebrating vibrant, authentic cultures and backgrounds that make LA truly unique.
1: So, you guys, I don't know how many times I've asked myself where I can find a group of cool, like-minded people in one place here in LA. Like, it was so easy when we were growing up, but it's gotten very hard. Like, where are all the natives at who know the true, authentic LA culture and vibe? And where do you go if you don't want to go to a club every weekend? If you're like me, then you're also tired of searching for a place that truly represents a diverse and like-minded crowd of this city. Well, we've got fantastic news for you. Say hello to Native Collective, the hottest, most exclusive private membership club founded by LA Natives that's about to change the game. Native Collective is not just another club. It's a haven for all races, ages, and natives and transplants alike. But it especially encourages ambitious minority entrepreneurs, executives, influencers, and entertainers to come together, connect, and thrive. We've created a space where you can chill, celebrate your roots, share experiences, and amplify your success without limitations. Our flagship location is located in LA of course and is a statement in the heart of this busy city Native Collective will become the epicenter of social events, inspiration, creativity, and collaboration. Get ready to be part of something extraordinary. Native Collective is a platform for socializing growth and success. Surround yourself with like-minded individuals who understand your journey and are ready to support all of your endeavors. Don't miss the chance to be among the foundational members of Native Collective. Join our interest list today for an exclusive opportunity to enjoy early perks and benefits of memberships. Visit our website at nativecollective.com to secure your spot in this groundbreaking movement. Native Collective, empowering dreams together. Follow us on social media at The Native LA and Native Collective to stay up to date on Native Collective's journey.
0: (laughs) Hey guys, it's your girl E, born and bred in Inglewood, California here with Native LA's inaugural episode of ING in LA, where we talk about all things one can do here in our fabulous city, whether you're a native or a transplant. Joining me today is a man who probably knows just as much, if not more than I do, about Los Angeles culture, my good friend, Tony.
2: Hey, my name is Tony. Uh, I consider myself a community and culture-centered center creative, uh, born and raised here in Los Angeles. Compton, if you want to be specific, but L.A. County, if you want to be inclusive. Um, I like to study Los Angeles, just from being here from a sociological standpoint, from lived experience with work and whatnot. I really appreciate being able to be from a place where I can talk about its culture, its lifestyle, um, the things that make us native Angelenos um, and the people who come here uh, enjoy this place and be so intrigued by it. And we want to start this first episode talking about something that's such a integral part of L.A. culture, something that's near and dear to my heart, I know it's near and dear to your heart. Near and dear
0: to my lungs, mostly. Matches the color of the dress. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. uh, we're going to talk about uh, marijuana culture. Smoking in L.A. Absolutely. Smoke
2: ING in L.A. Hmm. Well, we could start with uh, just cannabis culture in general, just... It's inception, where it came from, why it's so synonymous with L.A. culture. Where do you think that comes from?
0: I mean, we've got great weather, great growing weather, great growing conditions, and it just kind of really makes it easy to grow the product, have the product, smoke the product, enjoy the product. I mean, look at the day we're having today. It's overcast, but it's a beautiful day to smoke some cannabis.
2: You know, I really feel like California in general has been such a proponent for... The legalization of marijuana, but I think we attribute the growing and cultivation of it with Northern California.
1: Right. But
2: out here, we were just trying to smoke it, <laughs> like, just, <laughs> exactly. just trying to get some to roll up and to smoke, and it's
0: a literal trickle-down effect, if you will.
2: <laughs> but then, no you know, past the the hippie culture, we enter into the 80s, and this really interesting thing happened by way of Reagan, mm. where you know we got criminalized to a to a to a really big degree.
0: Right. He decided crack was much better.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this is very, very true. <laughs> and so we want to discuss like the feelings of being marijuana proponents in a time where there's such a big cultural boom of marijuana smoke and also I mean marijuana smoking and reflecting on the context of, you know, people who were imprisoned and who's making money and who's building empires off of something that we've all enjoyed. Right, and maybe some cultures have promoted it to a better degree than others, but are they reaping the same benefits?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I think mm. we know that there's quite a disproportionate amount of um, wealth and benefit from the cannabis industry. Um, I believe you're watching a documentary and um, Killer Mike had said something really profound about mm. the cannabis industry.
2: Yeah, it was the, the grass is greener Netflix uh, documentary, and Killer Mike spoke in regards to, you know, everyone knows that the, the 90, like, I think like somewhere between like 98% of the people who are making like top level money off the marijuana industry is disproportionately white, and he made, uh, you know, there, there's no incentives to, to, you know, have growers who are black or, or, you know, include distribution chains where people have access to that wealth. And if you compare that to the amount of people who were imprisoned out of the criminalization of it, um, he goes on to say that if all that we got out of all this struggle is the ability to buy it without being criminalized, then we have like really got the shit into the stick. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, 2 Chains and Snoop Dogg are acceptable uh, <laughs> marijuana advocates and, 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 and uh, people to represent it. And they don't have the same villainization as people back in the day did. And, right. It's just an interesting thing that there's no reprieve and there's really no justice for people who were harmed by something that has become such a popular thing. Like, the We Civil Rights Movement definitely has its <laughs> casualties, and we don't give them enough credit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What do you think we, um, as, uh, I think, a community in L.A., particularly the black community in L.A., what do you think that we can do kind of to forward our progress within the cannabis community here?
2: Well, I think good steps have been taken. There's, uh, I believe it's called Gorilla Rx over there on Crenshaw, like that black woman owned. Uh, dispensary, I think steps in that direction, especially considering that the way Crenshaw Boulevard is being like heavily gentrified just because of the area right um, to make that statement and to show that opportunity like not all hood spots or spots in our neighborhoods have to be the janky places that are you know raided and you go there the next day and it is not there because they're still, you know, selling out of pill bottles. Right. <laughs> I
0: miss those pill bottles so much. I think we were talking earlier about how I saved, like, two plastic Target bags full, mm-hmm. thinking that I was going to do something creative. I you, have four but...
2: Crown Royal bags <laughs> full <laughs> of those pill bottles, thinking I was going to do some kind of project. Yeah,
0: that weed had me thinking that I was an artist, that I was going to sell millions of dollars worth of, Little pill bottle art to somebody somewhere.
2: The inspiration of unbranded weed.
0: Yes. It's <laughs> what time be alive. It's like I'm just gonna trust that this is what you're telling me it is.
2: But you know what? We would be remiss to talk about like enjoying weed culture without also reflecting on, you know, mental health culture at large in Los Angeles. Like right. you know, the homelessness is a big thing for us, and we just think about the mental health crisis here and how LA. In particular, but how, you know, California at large is trying to address it. And we have to think about the the mental health ramifications of, you know, marijuana use. Right. Uh, are we a culture of, you know, self-medicating and self-sabotaging? Are we consuming in a rate because it's popular and because I feel like weed is such a rite of passage and such like a, a L.A. thing that people participate, like, to a degree that may be excessive. Just because it's so synonymous with our culture
0: oh absolutely you know I think that's something that kind of started off as you know medicinal and people really kind of needing it more so than you know um, using it for recreation I think that with anything because like if to ketchup used to be used as medicine once <laughs> upon a time cocaine used to be used as medicine once upon a time you see how crazy people have gotten with that so I think that you know, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people live in excess. So they've taken something that kind of started off as, um, you know, medicine for a lot of people and just kind of went balls to the wall with it, you know?
2: If I remember correctly, weed got legalized in California in 1996. Right. Um, and they kind of softened it with the medicinal approach and mm-hmm. the CBD and whatnot. But do you feel like the potency of the weed now is different than the potency of what chronic. Yes,
0: absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I miss the pill bottle era of weed because whatever we're getting now, whatever this government-sanctioned weed is that they're selling out there, I don't like it. Let's go back because not only is it less potent than what I used to buy from, you know, this dude named Corey that lived down the street, um, but it's like you've... uh, Bred out all of the original strains. Like I can't find Granddaddy Herb anywhere. <laughs> but you
2: can find weed that tastes like a banana split, and that <laughs> is why the legalization of it created like a, such a a capitalistic thing. There's there's jars so pretty.
0: Beautiful jars
2: that you can't beautiful
0: craftsmanship.
2: You can't reuse them, right? You can't bring your lunch in them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I can't put other weed in it, you know.
2: I think I think that the people who are the younger people who are starting just definitely have a lot more exposure to it than we did, which is a good and bad thing. I like the freedom of choice. I like that you're able to do it because you choose to, but it's. You know, start start slow. You know what I'm saying. Start with the filter.
0: Yes, baby you know? steps for sure. Well, you don't
2: see young you don't you don't see young folks <laughs> with little pipes no more.
0: Oh my god, they out there were <laughs> the one hitters. They out there with Philly blunts. Just oh my goodness, they're mm-hmm. throwing a whole three point five in the blunt now. Listen. You know, it's just like okay, all right, hmm. <laughs> you got it, Chief. Um, when did you start smoking?
2: On my 22nd birthday.
0: Okay, and
2: it's it, it's you know weed being such an important part of my life, I also reflect on the fact that it, I, it did get to a point where I can say that my usage was uh, excessive. Um, when I first started, it was, I feel like I baby stepped into it. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I started in a, <laughs> in a parking lot with a couple of my friends from a job that I had, and that morphed mm-hmm. into, you know, really getting into it more, but it was framed around just like something social. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't necessarily do it from a context of... It's like, you know, like I'm a social drinker. I'm also a social smoker. But I do acknowledge at a point in my life, it got to the point where like there's a difference between wanting to smoke and needing to smoke. Right. Like, oh my god, I need to smoke before I cook. And I need to smoke before I eat. And I need to smoke <laughs> after I eat. And I have to smoke before I fuck because I want it to feel better. I like,
0: feel a uh, fiend a little
2: bit. Huh. <laughs> I mean, it can definitely be a crush. It's, it's you know, we live in a time where True pleasures can be hard to to really get, like yeah. you know, life fulfillment, where you are on your psychosocial development, where hitting certain benchmarks don't necessarily happen for. Us. So we do happen to live in a place where joy is something that can be purchased, right? In the form, or or, or you know, as as a crutch, or, and I, I've reflected on temporary that. joy, mm-hmm. and I went to therapy for it. Actually, mm. one of the first times I ever went to therapy, the person who referred me thought that. I, my shout out to Kaiser for trying to have a good behavioral health system in, in Southern California. But you, you failing in some ways. But I had a good, <laughs> I had a good person who told me like, you know, you kind of are self aware of your problems and you acknowledge that you smoke a lot. Maybe you'd want to go to substance abuse counseling. It's the same framework as far as what you'll get in therapy, but addressing certain things. So I've had periods of sobriety where I've been able to reflect on. Usage and, and, and necessity. Like, I've I've had a partner before who's, who's a daily smoker and that kind of influenced behavior. So then you think right. about addiction versus uh, casual consumption. Right. You, you reflect on that. So, you know, as I get older, um, number one, this new weed hit different. So <laughs> it's like, I don't want to waste my money and buy a $20 joint just for a nap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it, I, can, I can get that on my own. I got a job. So, right. Um, I do... Like having the maturity and framework to understand there's a time and place for it. It makes some activities more enjoyable. It helps with some of your nerves and some of your actual conditions, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you're utilizing to subside that.
0: Absolutely not. It's like uh, it's supplementary. It's mm-hmm. like taking um maca root or something and eating the, what is it, that all the kids are on now, the CMOS. Moss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That is, laughs> Something to that effect.
2: hmm How about yourself? How about uh, your reflections on marijuana use or just the impact of Oof. living in L.A.? and your
0: consumption? I mean, I feel like weed is everywhere. I started smoking probably when I was like 16 or 17 as a social thing. Like one of my homegirls was smoking and she was just like, I'm going to teach you how to roll my blunts. And initially I didn't realize that I was being used for my skills. (laughs) Like (laughs) what? So she would have me sitting there gutting blunts and then like re-rolling the guts before I even touched the weed. And I was like, this feels like almost kind of like the training I went through um, for firearms. It was just very, very thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I started doing it because my parents always told me not to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, well, you know that I'm going to do it now. So <laughs> I started doing it. And initially, it I wasn't crazy about it. It was just like, I'll take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. You know, the feeling is cool, but I can't really see how people do this every day. And now you fast forward almost, ooh, what is it, like 20 years later. And now I am Hmm. somebody who smokes before cooking not while cooking because ew but you know (laughs) (laughs) I'm a social smoker but I also smoke by myself um I'll smoke whatever like I have a vape pen I'll smoke flour um love edibles you know so it's just kind of like I'm all over the place with it but I think Hmm. it's because I really appreciate the cannabis, not so much I'm doing it just to be stone and just to be high, you know what I mean' there's, like you said, there's like a responsible usage there with it, so it may be excessive <laughs> to some people anyway, but for me, it works so um yeah i I think that uh we are pretty much probably the cannabis capital of the country at this point.
2: I mean, I feel like Colorado got some, uh, some, some competition.
0: Yeah, but Colorado kind of shifted. They're like on a shroom kick right now. So
2: they still got movie theaters that you can smoke in though.
0: They do. They uh-huh. do. We're not there yet. Uh, we had canvas cafes that didn't really do too well because it was like, let me do this during COVID. Like,
2: <laughs> when breathing is the number one thing, right. you're supposed to be able to do right.
0: And if you bring your own tips in, we're going to charge you for that. If you want to use our tips and get sick, you know, if there's no charge for that. Tax dollars. <laughs> that just goes back to the disproportionate wealth within the industry. It's like we see you, we're on to you. Hey, you see the Barbie movie yet? What do you mean, yet? <laughs> That's how I know you are. <laughs> you think I'm about to go sit there and see a Barbie movie.
2: I thought the movie was uh, really, really good. Um, albeit, I was a little stoned when I watched it, but it was uh, it was aesthetically pleasing. I, I thought that it was had a really, really good uh, context and commentary. Um,
0: okay, Barbie making political moves out here. Man, I'm into it. it. It spoke to a <laughs> lot. I mean, and Issa Rae in it. Yeah, I mean, are we on that tip where we're just supporting people just because?
2: I think she got Barack Obama things. status. We voted okay. for him because, like, we <laughs> we voted for him for a reason, as obvious. Okay. As a LA as a person from L A, if Issa raises it, I'm gonna watch it.
0: Well, all right, Issa girl. Then mm-hmm. I'm gonna go buy my ticket tomorrow. I got you. Yes. <laughs> Did you know, by the way, that the minimum buy-in for a dispensary in this fair city of ours is like a hundred thousand? Dollars.
2: Oh yes, the 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 point of entry to make money, like in a in a in, mar- in marijuana here in Los Angeles or California whole well is, is hard. Who has that capital?
0: It's definitely not me. I'm sitting here in an old navy dress and some flip flops, so you know it's not me.
2: <laughs> and then if you consider the fact that it's hard to, it'll depend on who you are. It's hard to get loans. It's hard to get that capital. It's hard to be financed for it. Or there's very strict regulations on where. You can get that money from and how it can be used. Mm -hmm. Then, location, the rent and licensure and all that kind of stuff, it almost feels like that's a big barrier that's put there on purpose to keep certain people out.
0: So, you're saying that robbery is the only way then to go about opening a dispensary in Los Angeles?
2: Pretty much, either that or you gotta be a robber baron. Like, you really gotta have that mentality where, I mean, we know that long money comes from people who look like me and you don't have long money in Los Angeles like right. that and that's that's a whole conversation it's it's institutional it's it's systemic it's so many people sold grandma house mm. in, in the 80s and 90s Yeah, so you don't even have that wealth as far as property um,
0: we got generational trauma not generational wealth
2: but we own that shit I mean there's a reason why Kendrick's our biggest star <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's such a. I, I like to look at it from a cultural standpoint, though. It's like you only see two things in your mind when you think about a person from California or from Los Angeles who smoke weed, and it's either like a person who's really into hip hop, mm-hmm. or a person who wears like a Baja sweater, like who maybe surfs <laughs> or something like so that. So
0: Spicoli or Snoop Dogg are the only two references 100%, that we have. One hundred percent.
2: But on the same token. When you think about who's making money off of it, it's more of a person who has a more Huntington Beach vibe than an Englewood vibe. Oh, of course. And it's that's a it's a very annoying part like if we only keep it in the context of smoking in la but just doing anything in la comes at such a cost because well one living in la is such a luxury Mm. like it's
0: existing in la is a luxury 100
2: percent. so it i mean i can kind of understand what people are 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 smoking Mm -hmm. because what else are you gonna do like how else can i amplify this activity to a degree where it's maximum enjoyment
0: exactly Mm. do you think that's why um we see so many of these um i guess like bootleg shops popping up like in for lack of a better term illegal spaces um i went to a weed shop once i won't say where but i was there with my mom of all people and (laughs) They had a generator for electricity, but the generator was, I believe, inside the establishment. And so it's like the smell of gasoline is very pungent. So you can't Mm -hmm. even smell the weed at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, generator goes out and now you're trapped in this hot box with all of these people in the dark. And, you know, you feel like you might die, but it's worth it because you heard that they got some Fire as weed there, and you're supporting black-owned and businesses. you're supporting <laughs> small black-owned business at the same time. I've
2: definitely been in some places that look like toddlers with the construction workers, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they you know it, they're not as intimidating, or at least when when this first started happening, going into some of the weed shops that look like Apple stores. Oh my god! Where you can put in your phone number on an iPad, right and uh get rewards points for buying a dizzy.
0: Yeah, I'm good on that. I I don't want to belong to any rewards programs for doing something that I've been doing for 20 years. Like y'all just got here. Don't start throwing all this technology and this sterility at me now.
2: Wait, so you still you still look for the the run in the, like the run in the mill like holding the wall type places to buy it?
0: I mean, I look for them, but I look to send somebody else to go. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't want to be there again when one gets raided, you know, or shut down. I don't want to be there if, um, you know, it gets robbed, God forbid.
2: Yo, that happened to my homeboy, Randy. Uh, Harry, yeah, Randy, uh, very unsuspecting. He will, He's not even the... Randy is my homeboy from Gardena. He is... Uh, I believe, like, uh, his dad's white and his mom's Japanese-Korean. Okay. So, he, and he's not, he ain't one of those, like, he, he's a such a straight-laced dude. Just like, a, just a regular, your, your average, not even your average weed smoker. Somebody who just watches it. I mean, who smokes it so they can watch The Godfather, like, in peace. Like, okay. Real chill like that. So, I remember he goes to a dispensary somewhere in Gardena. And this was a place where he would get his, his vape cartridges from and the day that he went up in there was the day that that spot got raided. And, like, the degree in which they treated people who worked there and were in there, like, it's it's criminal. You would think that they were in there doing Hannibal Lecter type of like <laughs> experimentation and, 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 and stuff on people. They came in there with weapons. Everyone got to get against the wall. Uh, Randy's stuff got confiscated. He got questioned for a very long time. Like, what should have been a 15-minute weed run to get his cartridge turned into a two-hour affair because this particular place... And and I get the legal context of it. They weren't operating within the license because, for some reason, we voted for the legalization of it in a degree that didn't anticipate that once you legalize something, you then create... You you then make it a part of capitalism. Right. And that system is known to pervert pretty much anything, Mm -hmm. hence us going from... Something like the chronic being a cultural phenomenon to chronic now being such a casual part of, you know, LA right. culture to like any pumpkin
0: spice latte now. Man,
2: see, <laughs> but to to see someone who has his first police experience being just in a place that was local to him to go buy marijuana, yeah. and you you got like you know,
0: dogs and. And, and and guns, and semi-automatic pulled. weapons, and mm-hmm. yeah, damn near out in your SWAT gear, your Sunday best 100%. for a weed cartridge.
2: <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it just speaks to. It's funny because you like to patronize those really fancy places by proxy, but I don't want to go to places that feel unsafe. Right, you know what I'm saying? Especially when I get to, you get to a certain age where you don't want to rebel. You want to pay for a certain degree of convenience. Exactly. So does my local shop have my phone number on file and I get text messages every once in a while? Yes. they do, yeah.
1: Yes,
2: (laughs) that happens. But it's, I wouldn't say that it's, sometimes you just roll with it. You know, every time that you log into anything, there's a certain amount of acceptance that you kind of give to the fact that society has moved to a point where you're being commodified.
0: There's just like a little exasperated sigh every time you sign up for something new. It's like, a little party dies every time.
2: I got, I got a little like annoyed the other day because I got a, I got my first weed coupon in the mail. <laughs> like it was a new dispensary <laughs> that opened up somewhere in my neighborhood, and it gave me like you know a little uh, good money behind it too. It came okay. on, it came on a uh, like on, on on plastic like card. Oh, like, the good card, yeah, the uh-huh. plastic
0: card stuff. Like you okay. could you
2: could punch out the coupons because it's pre-scored. Excuse? You know what I'm saying? Uh, we used to buy weed word of mouth on a good spot, and now it's being directly advertised to my to my junk mail, right between the winners next to coupons. And I feel like those <laughs> was put together for a reason. Right,
0: look at God. <laughs> uh, I
2: ain't paying full price for no chili cheese price.
0: I remember um, we used to get weed delivered, but not the way that we do now, because like, I love a good weed delivery mm. now. But before, um, again, shout out to Corey. But he had hours like the cable guy. So it was mm-hmm. like, I'll be at your house sometime between 12 and 8, maybe. And it's like, you would see him driving through the neighborhood. So it's like, you know he's around. And It's like, wait a minute. Did you forget about me? It's like, no, i just got stops before you. But I'm right here.
2: You got to applaud <laughs> this young man for logistics, though. He's, <laughs> honoring, uh, <laughs> he's honoring the order of calls. Not necessarily the most efficient. Um I'll be honest, I was one of those people who took advantage of the Wii deliveries when they got really popular, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like uh they was coming through with the square readers and whatnot if you oh, have man. cash. It's you know
0: <sighs> They take it from your bank account, like straight from your bank account now. And a lot of them are taking major credit cards.
2: Everything about who I am makes me annoyed to say this. <laughs> but I do appreciate the fact that there's a convenience factor added towards you know, added to the consumption and the purchase of marijuana. It's, you know, the taxis are not as prominent because of Lyft and Uber. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and even that is being offset by the small trips you can take on these scooters. Like, industries <laughs> will evolve. Industries will evolve. But yeah. But to see what the we industry has evolved to, um, again, it's your, your biggest stars and proponents are people who look like us. I mean, say for, you know, your Cheech and Chong's and your Willie Nelson's. and
0: uh, Yeah, the, the different era, the kind of uh, inaugural era of recreational marijuana use, you know.
2: Yeah, Snoop Dogg is our household name right now. Your grandmama knows who Snoop Dogg is.
0: Martha Stewart wanted to do a show with Snoop Dogg because he is just like the, the face of cannabis use pretty much everywhere. Not just here, not just in LA, No but everywhere even places where marijuana smoking isn't legal
2: (laughs) that's true (laughs) i think i am in the top ramen commercial like (laughs) (laughs) high as hell with them glasses on accept it though
0: exactly exactly what is your favorite way to consume cannabis are you strictly a smoker or do you like edibles i am
2: i'm strictly a smoker Um, I have had good experiences in my 20s with edibles, but that's usually when you're looking for more bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Like, you're trying to to go to this concert and be mad faded. Or, you know, I went on a (laughs) four-year Coachella run where getting what you want is hard. Getting what you want into the festival is difficult, so maybe you'll consume something before just to kind of have a residual high. But I do prefer, prefer smoking. It's a... I, I don't know if we're at a point now where smoking weed is as has has the same level of connoisseurship as uh smoking cigars, if you will. Mm. Um and I like to say that it it does. I've gotten to the really spoiled part of my life where I don't even roll it anymore. I just buy pre-rolls. I, it, it, it's, Excuse me. Well, there used, to, <laughs> there used to be an art to it, and uh, even a point of pride being able to know how to roll your own stuff up. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, uh, I'm really into those infused joints.
0: Yeah, I feel you. It's yeah. definitely easier to buy those, than it, it is to try to make your own. Mm-hmm. And I've tried, and yes, to no avail. So. If you want to get all crazy with with those infused joints and put in the hash and then roll it around in the keef and then bless it with the blood of Jesus and then light it on fire with a viking flame from a dragon's <laughs> butt, and yeah sure you know
2: but it's just the ritual <laughs> you know it's uh, <laughs> do you do you still enjoy like whenever I'm with you I'm enjoying a blunt because Always. you've rolled a blunt I think that you and I, I think you have a, a more uh you have a more hands-on approach towards <laughs> your consumption. Um, but outside of rolling, what is your preferred method? Like, Are you an edible person?
0: I love edibles. I, oh, man. Okay. I, I, where do I, how much time do we have left to, to talk about my love for edibles? I thought that, you know, I was just going to be strictly flower forever but I think that my foray into edibles had been so good mm. that it was just like, I can't not do edibles now. Um, I think I like that prolonged feeling. I think I like the, the autonomy to kind of like taper your high. Um, I love uh, beverages. Infused beverages are probably yeah. my favorite yeah. type of edible, if you will. Um, the gummies are cool and all that fun stuff um, but like those cannabis lemonades man they'd be hitting like oh my
2: god what's your preferred milligram uh, count for them
0: okay so I there was a Venice Cookie Company made this lemonade and it was about the size of like a Calypso bottle okay. and so I would do maybe like a third of that and then get like a venti passion fruit iced tea from Starbucks oh okay Pour that in there, and then that would get me good for, like, most of the day. And that was probably between, like, 30, 45 milligrams. I think for edibles, 60 is my max before. I'm just
2: like, (laughs) I I I don't like taking a chance on edibles. I've I've also had very intense experiences with edibles. And it's, I like to get high. Mm -hmm. I can admit that I like to get high. But I like to get high on my terms and not knowing the depths of myself in a way that I wasn't prepared for. Right. I went to this motherfucker for enjoyment. It it, now now I'm in transcendence. Like these are two completely different things I'm looking for. It's I, I'm also this may be telling on myself, but I'm also a a very I want it now type mm. of person. Like if I'm if I want it, I want it now. But I that. I want that high? easy, quick. To the bloodstream, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and you, you get that fastest. Yeah, I think you get it fastest with smoking, but mm-hmm. you get it longest with with edibles. Right, like that shit lasts. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta you gotta do the dosage. I yeah. remember one time I think that we almost me and a, an old partner of mine. I think that we almost someone almost died off of edibles. I, I believe I, it. Yes, it it was. Uh, <laughs> Years ago, um, there was, this is when edibles kind of first started hitting the scene. And there was this one bar, it was called the 420 bar. Mm-hmm. And it was called the 420 bar because I think it had like 420 grams. Milligrams of milligrams. yep. Right. And so we, it was. Heavy new, hitter. Oh, oh, <laughs> and it was New Year's Eve. And uh, my girlfriend at the time had somebody coming from out of town. And so, you know, you got somebody coming out, you want to show them around.
0: All right, show them a good time.
2: Now, you know, sometimes you get on a flight and breathe, uh, breathe in that air and blah, blah, blah. You start having your little allergies and blah, blah, blah. So she wasn't feeling like smoking. So we was like, oh, we going to recommend that you get this 420 bar. Like, it'll hit before we go out. We're about to go downtown. We're about to whoop-de-whoop. It's about to be the, to be the business. Huh. So, we remember throughout the day, let's say we picked her up from the airport, uh, throughout the day, <laughs> she's eating on this 420 bar. So, before it's time for us to go out, i say around 7 o'clock, she consumed, if not all of it, then maybe like six or the eight squares. So, I can't do a quick math. Whatever 75% of 420 is, she had that. You know what I'm saying? Uh,
0: that's a lot of milligrams. She had a lot
2: of <laughs> milligrams. She de- I mean, that, lot that's, lot that's definitely ass. when I, we found out that, you know, uh, THC poisoning is a thing. Yes. So... You know, my girlfriend and my girlfriend at the time and her were in there getting ready or dressed, and my girlfriend calls me in there. Um, This young lady threw up all over our bed. Um, And so we kind of had to put her somewhere where she she can clean off decently, so we put her in the tub. And -hmm. she passed out. Mm -hmm. Now, we're sitting there in a situation where, and this is a really interesting place to be in because even though weed is legal it's stigmatized right and even though it's medicinal we're using it recreationally so we have somebody who is in our bathtub apparently about to or just in and out we'll say she was in and out and we don't necessarily know how to go about it um mm. there was points where we were going we would check on her uh, she would come in she would meet us at least in and then she would fall back out and there was one time when i went to go check on her um She, you know, hey, you doing okay? You know, talking to her, trying to get her to come too. And I remember she looked at me. She looked me deep in my eyes. And it was like a really, like, one of those, like, when, when the end of Benjamin Button, when, (laughs) when (laughs) when the 92 year old newborn (laughs) is looking at them with a sense of knowingness Mm. to any end. um, She ended up being okay the next morning. That's one of those things you got to sleep off. Yeah. And she talked about being completely present during the, even the points where she was passing out where she can hear everything but being stuck in her own body. And she said at that point where she grabbed me and we were looking in each other's eyes, she said that she was trying to communicate to me from where she was that she needed me to call her mom and tell her mom that she loved her. And you know, it's January first. It's it's the the next day. We didn't do anything. It's a lot quieter outside. This person then moves on with the rest of their trip because they have other people to visit. Right. And the first thing me and my then partner thought about was like, yo, we need to get one of those bars. Like we we <laughs> we, we wanted to have that kind of a trip.
0: It's like but, I'll have what she's having. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also
2: want to. Take a moment to, you know, talk about the self-medicating versus, you know, self-sabotaging.
0: Right. I mean, I feel like uh, for me, I started, you know, um, because I think as with a lot of uh, black parents um, in the 80s and 90s, it was kind of like taboo to have any kind of like mental irregularities, any mental uh health issues like um ADHD or um being autistic or having some sort of um you know uh, concentration defect anything like that was just like oh no not my kid so I think kind of growing up and struggling, um I was really bright in school. I just had trouble focusing on stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to high school, it was just kind of like, well, let me see if this kind of helps calm me down or, you know, help me focus or take the edge off of what I had at that point, anxiety. And it kind of worked. It it did what I needed it to do. Um, But then kind of going back to what we talked about earlier um, about smoking in excess, it kind of got to a point where it was like, now I'm just doing it. I think the way that people smoke cigarettes almost Mm -hmm. where it's just kind of habit and not necessarily, um, because I'm enjoying this thing anymore. Not that I don't enjoy it, but it was kind of like, okay, well, do we still need to be doing this or doing it as frequently anymore? Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you know that, or if you know that, um, you're not functioning anymore on it, you know?
2: I remember one time in uh, in therapy, my therapist asked me. And this was a very so, like a sobering moment because it was a really, it was one of those. You know how sometimes you don't think about something until you're asked that question, yeah. and then it's on your mind. They asked me, or she asked me, um, what are your dreams like?
1: Mm. And that's
2: when I realized that I don't dream. Or he said, at that time, I didn't dream. And that's because people who are heavy marijuana smokers, it messes up a certain rhythm within Mm -hmm. their minds and you don't get deep enough sleep in order to get to the point where you dream. And that was a scary question to be asked Mm. because it's like outside of the physical aspect of dreaming, like then where am I processing things? Where am I? Where am I having that, that that mental space to really get through things? And that's when I realized that weed can be, or the consumption of marijuana in many forms, can be used to mask that level of, you know what I'm saying, not being able to process things. Um, you know, a lot of people are out there smoking weed before, especially when people were smoking and would to go do violent acts or things like that. Or would get high off anything to go right. commit violent acts. It's a... If, if you need something to cope with the necessity of your situation or your reality, um, that thing definitely needs to be reflected upon and reassessed. Um, Absolutely. Uh, especially thinking about how that showed up in, in my life. There were things that, you know, there was a personality, if you will, in my 20s when I was very jovial and fun-timed and not really taking things as serious. And it's the same kind of personality you would expect from like a like a town drunk or you know, mm, right. I'm, if, if, I'm, if I create a personality around, if I whiz Khalifa, Khalifa myself, <laughs> then, you know, it, it becomes a personality. And you'll never ask me, am I consuming too much to mask this, that and the third? right or, um, mm-hmm, um, That I'm masking this, that and the third or that I'm moving in such a way where I'm not facing issues that i'm truly truly
0: have. right so now it's like face your demons before you roll the blunt mm-hmm. or purchase a pre-roll or purchase the pre-roll yeah. whichever you prefer or pop yes. that edible or mm-hmm. bake yourself some cookies whatever have you but yeah get to the root of your issues and then use the weed to help you after you release all of that shit because i think that uh, self-reflection and getting to you know the core of what what ails you essentially it's a lot of work it's a lot of hard you know grueling work and i think that rewarding yourself with the free roll is actually not a bad idea Mm -hmm. so has there ever been a time where the marijuana has let you down
2: oh yes i've i've (laughs) i've bought mid. um i've bought uh weed at places you know back in the pill bottle days mm-hmm. where it was advertised as a sativa, but they were just telling you the same thing. Yeah. Just, you know, you might smell it and think that you know what you're talking about, but um, there was w- the year that Wu-Tang Clan was at Coachella, <laughs> me and my van partner were, we got faded before and then slept through the performance. So it's yeah, we'll it. one of the, the, the pluses of all this heavily branded uh, transplant loving weed is that it's, you know, it has everything on the packaging. You got it down to the science so that yeah. you know the cannabinoids waves and the split. Of-
0: all of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's like what, looking at a nutritional label on a <laughs> Cliff Bar now. Because, <laughs> but I think that you know, like you said, people who are not from here—that's kind of what they gravitate towards. They go for like the fancy packaging and the glass bottles and the you know the the pizzazz of it all. They don't really care about what's actually. In the jar, you know. I think that when you either have been here for a long time or you're from here, you know here. There's a different. There's a difference in 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 the weed connoisseur level, I would say.
2: You know, not even is it not not only is there a difference between the weird, I mean the the weed connoisseurship, but also the there's a difference in the aesthetic of smoking. Oh yeah. Like, I feel like I feel like transplants are a little bit more brazen with smoking in public, but it's more of a statement. Like right. you, you, you buy into the aesthetic of LA counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, you just went to MedMen. Men. Or you just went to a place that was
0: you're on Melrose somewhere. You bought
2: your weed on Melrose just to look like you're smoking it on Crenshaw, mm-hmm. and that's that that's your thing. I get it. Or you know you have your 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 vape pen, the one that produces like heavy smoke and whatnot. And you you may or may not be a lip <laughs> gymnast where you can, where you can make it do tricks. But I think people who grew up in L.A. or just have that true. Native culture, when it comes to smoking, it's a thing to do, not a thing to perform. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like when you. When you light up at a... You can always tell who is a native smoking versus who is a transplant smoking by their energy lighting up at a concert. Oh because my God. if, <laughs> if you're from here, you're just going to do it. Because right. you know they're not going to do nothing. But it's still taboo to, right. a, to a transplant. They don't know the rules yet. Looking around mm-hmm. like you're
0: about to pull a crack rock out your bag or something. Yeah. It's just
2: like you just, you just wait until the headliner come on and then there's really no rules unless you're at the Novo. They don't play that. Yeah. The Novo does not play that. Do
0: not light up at the Novo. Don't please. even vape at the Novo. Don't even think about it at the Novo. Maybe in the parking lot, but leave it all in the car, please.
2: Um, but yeah, I, I guess my consumption feels like transplant consumption because I gravitate towards <laughs> the capitalistic places, the actual institutions and, and stores. Right. But also, I'm a convenience person. I, I'm tired of. Former relationships with somebody at a dispensary that gets closed and I never see them again. Exactly.
0: Versus having and they sell your phone number to another dispensary somewhere else and now it's just like you hop in from place to
2: place. Versus having my purchase history right there in the iPad. We're like, yo, what did I get last week, Samantha? Oh, yes, it was. It was the.
0: It was that raspberry mm-hmm. schmeckle or whatever you guys are calling it. But what I'll never them. do,
2: what I'll never do, what I'll never, never do is that I'll never wear the. Clothes for a <laughs> hey, if I like Stizzy, cool, I'll have Stizzy. But I'm not rocking a sweater. That's no? that's transplant shit. I'm not doing that. It Unless sh- show me show me a actually. There's one brand that I would probably wear their gear, and that's Farmer. Uh, I think it's like Farmers and Felons or something like that. Like they actually are trying to put money towards okay. getting people out of jail. Like you right. Know, not, you know, I don't like my 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 weed money going towards giving
0: capitalism,
2: so, <laughs> no, getting health care for somebody up in the uh, north, <laughs> northern California. Who
0: right.
2: Chooses to grow weed because he's rebelling against daddy's trust fund. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: um, well, all the different ways we like to get high. I'm glad that we found a way to come together <laughs> to discuss smoking in L.A., Um, This has been our inaugural episode of Native L.A.'s ING in L.A. I've been E from Inglewood. This has been Tony from Compton, technically.
2: Yeah, born and raised in Compton. (laughs) Bounced around, but uh, Compton was home.
0: Compton born and and mostly bred. Up until I was
2: 16.
0: We'll take it. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.
2: Peace.